The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. That actually pisses me. I get like Glenn tells me that like, he's climbing me down off the wall because I'm going after people. All right, everybody, welcome to this month's episode of Dig It or Ditch It. This is your hottest or at least lukewarm takes on education and everything else going on in the world with uh, our best friend, uh, Noah Geisel. Welcome, Noah. Hey, guys. So great to be with you um, for what I'm guessing is our last Dig It or Ditch of 2020. Or 2019. I guess that is. I guess it's it. This This is is it. This is the end. This is it. It was a good year, though. Great year. It was a great year. Yes. (laughs) 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 <laughs> oh, that's awesome. uh, so so the tell us tell us the way it goes noah how did how does this all work dig it or ditch it works like this y'all i put out a uh topic and mike and glenn riff on it uh beginning with whether they are digging or ditching that topic and we're gonna roll right in with a quote from one of my favorite people on twitter at sunny brown s-u-n-n-i brown And it is unkindness comes from certainty. Unkindness comes from certainty. Dig it or ditch it, guys. Gosh, that's that's, that's a deep thought. I'm going to it. I I got it. I got it. I'm ditching it. I I think that was very certain of you, Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm (laughs) I'm here for it now. Uh, Unkindness comes from certainty. I have to say that a lot of I, I I like the phrasing and I'm trying to kind of wrap my head around the, the the actual context I think is is a little bit missing in this case but I find that a lot of people when they're unkind uh, also would have mis- misplaced certainty maybe is the word I want to uh, the way I want to frame it where they they think they know what the hell they're talking about but they actually don't know what the hell they're talking about and they're certain in that it's also it, it goes along with that whole phenomenon of of people who um aren't very smart always have this like overinflated sense of their their brilliance that's I, I can't remember the word for it but there's like this this attribute that people like Donald Trump for example would have um, where you know he thinks he's you know a, an absolute genius and we all know he's an absolute train wreck um, <laughs> but that's how you really school. feel <laughs> right but that's that's kind of the same thing where where i mean but he's obviously so unkind and he's obviously so um not a good person at all um yet completely certain of his abilities and the you know his statements and facts i think he might be actually a really good um example of unkindness you know coming from certainty um, uh, you know, so, so yeah, let's, let's ditch it. Cause I think that that's a, that's a bad trait to have, um, for sure. 
the uh the statement itself as mike circled around that whole entire thing uh it actually was really good for me to kind of flesh out what i was actually thinking about the statement itself is actually i, I guess i'm going to dig it what mike is actually saying though i totally agree with him is just because you're certain about something doesn't mean that you have to like throw down the gauntlet on everybody else and that's I think this is where we're at right now, especially in the United States, as far as our, our, our interactions with each other. And it doesn't even matter on what topic, especially regarding politics, but my goodness, you can yeah. spread it. You can spread it out to anything now. It's really hard to have, you know, when people used to say, okay, there's certain topics around the dinner table with your family <laughs> or friends. Right. You should, you should just not bring up that list of topics is now so gigantic. That we can't – it's very difficult to have discourse and to have a middle ground and to have to have someone state an opinion that – or a, a, a certainty even of something that they totally believe in and then us go, oh, you know, I, I don't totally agree with that, but I'm, I'm not going to – like burn you because of that, you know, that kind of thing, you know, it's, it's this whole thing that's now missing completely. There is no kind of, uh, I think I had a principal one time tell me sometimes we're going to agree to disagree. That thing is, <laughs> you could throw that out the window. There's no such thing as that in a lot of our discourse anymore. Yeah, And that sucks because that's limiting our ability to basically do great things because we're, and it's easier for people to manipulate us. And it's, I'm not even just talking about on, you know, right wing, whatever it might be. Cause you know, we're <laughs> Mike and I are like basically left wingers, whatever it might be. I'm talking about on either end. We could be easily manipulated towards one end with easy statements. And I think we've talked about this before on, uh, on dig it or ditch it, just this discourse and, and how it's, it's led down this line. And I hope. One day soon that we can just kind of break away from that. We really kind of need a leader, whoever they ends up being, especially in the United States, stepping into this role as president to really kind of, that is true. The unification of both sides and quit burning the people who think this certain way or this certain way and really bring us together, I don't know, towards like doing positive things. Yeah. I and mean, it's interesting that I, I kind of feel like you do, Glenn, that uh, Mike and, and all three of us, I think, are kind of on the same page, uh, but maybe my wording of how I put it out there was a little weird because I'm also digging the, this quote. Like when I saw her put that out there uh, along with her just saying, think about it. And it made me think that, yeah, like how much cruelty um, comes from us seeing something and just having a hot take to, of jumping right to a place of certainty of knowing mm -hmm. what this person you know means by it and where they're going by it. And that, you know, when we look at people who maybe instead of firing back with the hot take, say, tell me more about that. You know, is, is that a road that, that is, it leads to much kinder places. Um, there's a podcast I, I occasionally listen to called conversations with people who hate me. <laughs> um, I love that, that I got to <laughs> listen to that. That's a really good, that's a really good premise. Uh, season one was great, and, okay. and in particular, where the host goes through their you know YouTube comments, and the people who say just the most vile and vitriolic things, the host reaches out to them and says, "Hey, 
I'm interested in talking about this. And it's so interesting because these conversations are so civil and they're so kind, even though they're, you know, entire, the whole conversation is rooted around. So you said that you hope I get drowned, (laughs) you know, in a tear, you know, whatever. Right. And, and it's, yeah, it, it, for me just brings home certainty is just a place that, uh, you know, the, it's just on the opposite end of the spectrum of humility, I guess. And that when we can be more humble, we're probably helping uh, more kind things come out. And with that said, I'm going to mix it up for, you know, our our last uh, dig it or ditch of 2019 and help you mm, get to a exciting. slightly less hot take take place. Okay. And that's instead of making you dig or ditch, um, we're going to do our remaining topics um, on underrated or overrated? Oh, underrated or overrated. Okay. Yeah, and, and what, what okay. I mean by this, so new rules. New is, rules. New rules <laughs> is for this one, you're not saying whether you like it or dislike it. You're saying like based on where you think the society currently is at, do you think that this idea is overrated or underrated? And so, in other words, okay. if it's underrated, you'd be buying stock in it because it's, you know, it's undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Does it's, it, it's undervalued it, right now. Okay, I yeah. get you. Yeah, Glenn gets to go first. All right, we'll <laughs> let Glenn go first. Overrated <laughs> or underrated? Okay. The value of people of color giving keynotes since we're in conference season. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's a softball. Um, and I want to make sure I'm saying it the right way. So underrated would be... I'm betting there is on more value this. than what is currently out there. That is, is so as hot as so it is, underrated. is not near where it will be. So underrated, and I don't. I hope that soon that the organizers of these conferences, like you, Noah, you do this, and I know you do this specifically as far as reaching out and trying to pull in a diverse whoever might be presenters or they might be keynote givers, whatever it might be. Um, that you really dig deep beyond the let's just call them the obvious people at at the top you know what i mean that there's so many more diverse voices out there on a variety of different and the diversity is multitude it's not just racial i'm just talking about multitude diversity that can be that can really strike home for all of us as educators and then we can pass that on obviously whatever the happens as far as the inspiration those things that happen in keynotes pass that on obviously to our students so super underrated i think that the organizers of the of all of these events need to be digging deeper deeper beyond that peripheral top because it's super easy i think it's super easy to see kind of this i don't even organize events and i could pick out the top one percent of whoever might be and there are some diverse people in that but it's very minuscule and we could definitely re- do better i i also think it's incredibly underrated um there is there's just so much experience life experience not even teaching experience but but also teaching experience that other people have that i just don't have and that you just don't have and and the voices of these people just haven't been um, shared as much as they should be. And, and that's why, you know, for example, um, I, I'm a giant fan of, of Michael Bonner is actually a really good example of someone that's getting the attention he deserves um, 
not just for the great work he's doing now, but like his his lived experience is an incredible story. Um, and uh, to be honest, um, I, I share as much as I, I mean, Glenn's life experience is an incredible story that more people need to hear. And 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 I can't wait to see the days when Glenn shares his story with more and more people. Um, and even though. You know, it, it's funny because we've actually had some really interesting conversations with people on Twitter that don't even realize that Glenn's a, a Latino. Um, and that actually pisses me. I get like Glenn tells me that like, he's climbing me down off the wall because I'm going after people because it pisses me off, to be honest, because they, they obviously haven't listened to Glenn and they don't know Glenn's story and they don't know us and they don't know me. And, and so they they don't know that we talk about this stuff all the time, um, and but you know I I can't wait to see and hear the stories of of so many of these educators working in in communities of color and minority communities because I think that we all have something to learn from them, and um, so it's it's great that that people are starting to think about and making sure that they're those voices are being being heard a lot more i i think that this we're making progress and and it's exciting i'm loving y'all's takes on this um you know it, well it, i know glenn started out saying it was a softball but you know i think that it is a very hot topic right now and something that is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds and so that that's why i thought it might be an intriguing time because i think mm. it is very highly valued right now um, and more and more people are realizing it. And I, I think that it is also still hugely underrated. Mm. Um, I think it is highly valued is it is nowhere near where it, where it will be. Um, and, you know, all you need to do is go to a conference that has somebody who's not like a me or a Mike give a keynote, you know, and, but thanks so much to everybody who brings me in. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like that, when you have, you know, folk, folks who aren't, you have this whole, you know, giant uh, constituents of your attendees who are then, you know, waiting in line 30 minutes afterwards to speak to the presenter because, you know, for once they saw themselves reflected on stage. Right. Sure. Yep. And I, I think that, you know, it shouldn't be for once. It should be all the time. And and until it is, this will be, the, I think, a topic that, that I'm agreeing with you guys will be underrated. Next up, the notion that education today is failing Overrated or underrated? Do you want to go first, Mike, on that no, one? No, but I will. Okay. The notion that education is failing. Wow, this is a tough one. Boy, oh boy. Let's let's go with overrated, but I'm not going to say it's significantly overrated, to be honest. And um, I think that there are amazing people doing amazing work. There are things going on in education that I, I, I feel like as my personal kind of community has grown and I've, I'm meeting new people all the time, I'm certainly more optimistic now than I've ever been about the state of education, to be honest, because I'm seeing a lot more than I've ever seen. I'm traveling all over, frankly, all over the, the world. I just came back from China and saw amazing things there. And I'm seeing amazing things in Vancouver and Halifax and Nova Scotia and, and in, in Newfoundland where my my coworkers are doing Minecraft sessions just today and tomorrow. And I'm seeing 
this and we're about to go to Minnesota and I have no doubt we're going to see people doing amazing things there as well. And so the more I've gotten out and met people, I I'm actually way more positive about the state of education than probably I've ever been. That being said, I think it's fair to say there's still lots of work to do, especially on the political front, especially on the funding and the where the money is and teacher pay and the things like that. There's there's a lot of failure there. I think that what is um, predominantly my feeling now is that teachers are rising above the hands that they're given all the time, especially in the United States and doing amazing things with the resources, the very limited resources that they have and rising above the challenges that they've been given, you know, in, in these communities and, and with these, with this, the daily struggle of, of bathrooms that aren't functioning and walls that are crumbling and, you know, all of this, this, we can talk about all of that stuff and we should talk about all of that stuff. And this podcast is, very focused on talking about a lot of that stuff. But to suggest that education is failing because of a lot of that stuff, I think is simply untrue. I would also say that I, I agree with Mike that it's overrated. And the, and, and the way that that statement is used as far as education is failing and has been used is as political propaganda, basically against public education, it's easy then to go ahead and just basically throw out this statement of like saying education is failing and this is how we're going to measure that. And that's really the key is like, okay, it's failing, but according to what measure, you know, whatever it might be. Well, the measure has consistently been uh, high stakes standardized testing. Test course. And these high stakes standardized tests we found many times are written for a specific type of audience. We just finished talking about what kind of audience. It's not the kids that are actually in our classrooms. It's a specific kind of student. It's a white student in a uh, upper middle class neighborhood or above that uh, has specific context in their life that the tests are written for. And we're going to measure them on that. But the statement, why would you ever state that as far as education is failing? Well, as a politician or as someone trying to make a political movement or even as a textbook company, I'm going to throw them out there too. The reason why you would do this is to basically sell something else. So what is that? Some, that other vision, that other thing, whatever it might be. Well, we need to improve our schools. It's called we need to standardize Education, we need to make sure we start pinpointing these things. I'm going to sell you this product to make sure you can go ahead and meet those specific things, whatever that we're measuring. And politicians, a lot of them are selling this vision of public schools suck. And therefore, there's these other options that are way better. We should be helping to subsidize those things. And we're talking about whether they be charter school visions or uh, private schools, especially whatever it might be that this, this vision is, is for this other thing that's actually happening. And we all know that that's part of the propaganda of that statement. That's the reason why I would say that state that is highly overrated as far as saying education is failing. Yeah. yeah. What is it that what is it that Mayor, remember what Mayor said about textbook com, textbook companies? They they create the disease and then they sell you the cure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Such a it's, such a great line. Um, I'm with you. And if, <laughs> if anybody's listening to Glenn, kind of. 
go on his uh, take there and, and nodding along and, and snapping your fingers, highly recommend checking out Audrey Waters' uh, most recent blog post uh, hmm. from a couple weeks ago on her uh, Hack Learning website where she uh, shares the complete text of a talk she gave recently on agiprop, um, agitation propaganda, uh, that very much aligns with, with everything Glenn said. I, I won't spoil it for anybody. Uh, I'm with you guys. I, I think it's uh, dramatically overrated, the notion that education today is failing. Honestly, for me, it, it's for slightly different reasons, though. I, I think that it, it's kind of rooted in a real false nostalgia um, that, you know, we, we had it all figured out in the past. You know what I mean? And Yes. And, um, yes. You know, one, one of the things I like mm. to joke about is that, you know, and I can go, you know, to an airport or whatever and see people of any age group get to the top of an escalator and come to a complete stop. Right. Like, yeah. which is just the dumbest thing you can possibly do. And so, like, if education is failing, it's not a new thing. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know, there's the false nostalgia. And, you know, I also think that it's rooted in, you know, things like, well, back in the day, especially as Glenn pointed out with historical inequities, like, it was okay that school didn't work for a whole giant segment of our population. And we had 50% graduation rates. And so success was only based on the 50% who, who did make it right. And um, that's no longer okay. And in a lot of ways, I think that makes us, uh, you know, more successful that, that we're taking into greater account our people. Uh, next up guys, we're going to turn from the past to the future. Okay. Um, you know, one of the hot topics right now, especially in educational technology, is going to be artificial intelligence. Overrated or underrated, educators' understanding of artificial intelligence. These are really good, Noah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I actually I actually think, okay, so if I, I don't know, again, I'm making sure that I actually put it on the right thing. Yeah, overrated Here's what I or underrated, educators' understanding yeah. of artificial intelligence. I think that educators, and I would put myself into this class too, I don't understand artificial intelligence enough, and I need to understand it more. So does that make me overrated or underrated? You, you think it is overrated. Yes. So there is many of us that just don't, like we hear the term, we know that there's some significant impact but we don't even know how to actually explain it. And when I hear people, uh, including like politicians like uh, Andrew Yang, for example, um, specifically explain the impact that artificial intelligence will have on our future, but not the distant future. We're talking about five to 10 years from now, how impactful it will be on what the world looks like. That's wakes me up and goes, I need to like learn more about this. And then not only do I need to learn more about it, we need to start discussing this in, in our schools and talking about what, what is the impact of this and, and how does it impact education, of course, but the job market, the job sectors, what we're going to be doing as far as in future years. And, and do we need to be worried or do we need to be like, you know, excited about it and then being able to go ahead and move forward with that. And that's, I don't know if that's pro or against it, but I do know that I lack like a in that education. for educators to, uh, to upskill <laughs> yes. on their readiness for AI. AI. Yes. <laughs> that is. <laughs> How about you, Mike? 
I think it's underrated. Um, I, I, I think that Glenn nailed the point that I, I was going to nail about the future of work. Um, I, I think that I can easily see a world in 50 years where um, the workforce is considerably smaller. The actual people doing labor is less. I think that um, educators are, are fairly safe. In fact, um, there's been a lot of study about the future of education in terms of the actual labor, like the actual people doing work. And, um, you know, education is one of those roles that seems to be less affected by AI and automation than, than a lot of other roles. But, I mean, there are whole industries that exist now that will be completely replaced by machines in the next 20 years. Um, a lot of transportation industries, um, a lot of uh, manual labor industries are, I mean, a lot of most manual labor is already replaced. Um, a lot of service industries. Um, so the, I mean, I think the future of work and preparing. So as far as it relates to education, the idea of preparing our students for a world where the jobs like I want to almost flip this narrative about the future jobs like 2030 whatever um, that that a lot of people talk about and just just remind kids that the jobs that exist now may not exist in the future like it's flipping that narrative just a little bit in the sense that there's going to be there's people doing work now that those jobs aren't going to be available to our students because um, they they won't need people doing them um, I also think that there's some hidden opportunities in AI opportunities again, that were because it's a, it's a, a incredibly emerging field and space. There are things that we don't haven't even invented yet in, in terms of AI that, um, are going to provide some really interesting, I suspect are going to provide some really interesting opportunities for our, our kids. Um, and make their lives better, hopefully, anyways. Um, so I, I think, I don't think I need educators, especially like my, 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 listen, my son's grade six teacher. I don't need her to, to take a deep dive into AI and go take like university courses. And like, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, <laughs> you know, because I think that that's a ridiculously unrealistic expectation. There are grade six teachers that don't even know what flip grade is for God's sakes, let alone trying to have them under wrap their heads around, you know, AI and machine learning. Um, but to have them understand that the future is uncertain and that the future of work is uncertain and all we really know is that it's going to be predominantly machine-based, I think, uh, is is fairly certain and, and something that we can prepare our kids for in small ways as, as they're going through school now. Wow. And for anybody who di didn't catch what Mike did there where he slipped in the machine learning, um, you know, if you're sitting there listening to this thinking, I don't I think I need to up my understanding of AI. Um, that That's a great place to start is just kind of just at a definition level of wrapping your head around the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning, two things that definitely get lumped in together. And if you don't know the difference, that might be a great sign that on the understanding of AI place, uh, you're on one end of the bell curve. It's complex. Um, 
You know, I, I'm going to go with Glenn on this one and say I, I think it's dramatically overrated. Um, and, and I'm feeling a whole lot more urgent than Glenn. I, I think that five years from now is is um, not even close. I, I think it's already happening. I think it's sure. going to be happening a whole lot more in 2020. And it's going to be you know pretty close to ubiquitous by 2021. Um, and yeah. I'm, 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 I'm sounding an alarm here guys, because I'm seeing people who I respect, you know, b- tweet and blog, even blog about, you know, things educators need to know about artificial intelligence. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, shiny stuff around, you know, things you can do to make your own Alexa commands and stuff. Right. But, um, something that's really missing is, um, you know, I think a grasp of the ethics and, you know, mm-hmm. going especially for, you know, back to Glenn's, you know, kind of focus on the historical inequities. I mean, one of the key things to know about artificial intelligence is it's not born. Um, it, it's, and it's not, well, it's not born intelligent. <laughs> um, right. that, that artificial intelligence learns um, mm-hmm. a whole lot faster and with a whole lot, you know, just quazillions more, you know, pieces of information than a human can take in. You know, and it does this through training sets of data. And, you know, so if we're looking in the education space and we're going to have AI, you know, the data that is training the AI to recognize patterns um, is going to be historical data. And historical data in any context, but we know real well in education, is chock full of bias. And so if we are, you know, not careful and really keeping a close eye on our, you know, ethics about this and cleaning up our data and checking it for bias, then what we are doing is creating a really intelligent (laughs) tool that has been completely trained up on, you know, biased information that can then be used as a very convenient and easy way to do things like data-driven decision-making you know, they said, well, this is what the data is telling us. Therefore, this is a decision we need to make. And we're making that decision in a way that is only going to perpetuate the very worst of things that we've already done and ensure that we continue to do them. So um, I, I think it is overrated um, education, educators' understanding of AI that, that we need to um, start sounding some alarms if, if we're, you know, and listeners, if you are in conversations where people are excitedly talking about big data, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and nobody's talking about using words like clean up the data or, you know, uh, talking about ethics, then, you know, uh, please, the On Education Podcast crew encourages you to be the person who stands up, yeah. puts their foot down and says, you know, this is going to keep me up at night and I hope it's keeping everybody else in, in this room up at night unless we're taking it seriously. The equity piece is huge, too. I was part of an interesting conversation a couple months ago about equity in um, programming careers, um, you know, making sure that there's there's not only women um, programmers uh, and and designers, but but people of color as well. Because um, and and the way they framed it was the person who was speaking was super simple. Um, when there's equity in the jobs, there's equity in the programming. And when you mm. when you said that that machine machines are taught, the, the AI is going to be taught by programmers, by people injecting code and information and data into these systems to allow them to learn. And um, if if it's just a bunch of white dudes 
inputting the system, there's going to be blank spaces. There's going to be whole views and lenses that aren't aren't that these machines won't see the world through because they're taught. They're not. Um, it's not. We're not. They're not like humans that can evolve and adapt. Uh, not in the same way, anyways. Um, so I think that there's a whole piece around equity and diversity in you know the careers now even because i think that those careers are going to frame our future and our future needs to be our machine learning needs to be diverse as well um it's it's an absolutely fascinating well, I think conversation you keyed on something that's a very easy kind of tangible thing to point at you know you both yeah. talked about jobs and and human resources right I and mean, if you listen to podcasts you're hearing ads right now for, for you know, I don't want to promote any given company, but you're hearing ads for companies that are talking about they're using AI, right, to to help identify jobs. And so, again, if we're feeding the AI historical data, you know, it doesn't know that maybe one of the reasons why – it doesn't know that women historically took maternity leave a whole lot more often than men did, right? And so it all of a sudden starts identifying, you know, male candidates – um, over female candidates based off of, you know, kind of incomplete information that that's, sure. yep. that's I mean, on its face, just biased. Right. Uh, final question to take us out of uh, 2020 underrated or overrated our spouses patience with us. <laughs> I, I mean, I just came back from two weeks away. My, my spouse's patience is incredibly underrated. Um, uh, I, I, it's funny. I was in the last day of my trip. I was in Vancouver. So I, I came back from Hong Kong. I was in Vancouver for a couple of days doing, uh, doing training out there. And I sent my wife flowers, uh, on from Vancouver. I, I called the flower shop and sent her flowers to her school because, um, uh, you know, uh, and that won't even come close to making up for, for, <laughs> for how, how, uh, how much work she, would have had to put up with so that I could go, you know, tour around uh, South China for, for a week and a half. Um, I, <laughs> the, the irony obviously is that I used to get complained to because I didn't work hard enough. And, and now I, I work too hard. I've switched to the entire end of the, the spectrum and, uh, but both are a problem. Uh, and my wife has now dealt with both sides of this equation, um, which is incredible. Um, you know Cheryl is um is is seeing i think that that i'm 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 working really hard and trying to do some good work and so i i can't appreciate uh her patience and her effort um more than i do and even when i'm bad at articulating it hopefully she at least listens to this and 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 understands Your that Your wife um, doesn't listen to this podcast does she She Believe it or not, <laughs> she does. Um, oh, I man. actually, I actually didn't think she did. Why her voice um, is enough? Man. But <laughs> she, she's has begun to comment on almost every episode, so I know that she's listening. Um, so you know, um, I, I can't, uh, you know, especially in the context of my current travel and stuff like that. Like, I literally am home for five days and then I'm in Minnesota and then thankfully I'm home for a couple of weeks, but then I'm in Florida at FETC. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Uh, so I can't thank her enough for being uh, patient. It's, it's massively underrated. I will say right now that my wife's patience with me uh, after now it's 18 night, 
almost 19 years of marriage and we were together since we were 18 and I'm now going to be 44. Uh, it's been a lot of years. I mean, what an incredible person to want to go ahead and tolerate me. My goodness. <laughs> I, talk about incredibly underrated. Uh, always is super supportive of all of the crazy things that I want to endeavor in, whether it be this, what we're doing right now is for podcasting or going to conferences or anything else. Actually, all of my dreams that I've ever had about anything, always 100% supportive uh, behind me. And then all of those other horrible traits that I have, <laughs> character defects galore, and willing to go ahead and tolerate all of those things. That's the real stuff. It's not even just this stuff. This, sure. These things that are positive things in life. There's a lot of other crap that's, uh, man, what a what an amazing person. I'm super lucky to have her. It's an easy question to weigh out. It's an incredibly underrated human being. I still ask her sometimes too. I was like, how, the, <laughs> how are you still here? <laughs> We just laugh together about that then too. Yes. How about you, Noah? <laughs> yep, dramatically underrated uh, patients from Ad Ashley guys. Although it's going to get tested tonight, as I realize them both. Uh, Fifteen minutes later, that I said I'd be to go through the steaks on the grill, and pretty Uh-oh. sure that I'm out of propane. So the per- the patience is going to get tested tonight, fellas. <laughs> oh, so you better man. get to that. <laughs> so, so with that, no one needs mm-hmm. to go do some cooking. Yes. Uh, so, you know, Please. with a, with a, with a love letter to all of our wives, we'll end yes. this episode of, of dig it or ditch it. And thanks everyone for, for listening. Uh, uh, say goodbye, everybody. Thank you, Noah. Hey, happy holidays to all the listeners. Thanks for helping make On Education the top podcast uh, for all of your uh, topics and conversation on education. And Mike and Glenn, thanks for uh, allowing me to take part in the journey. It's a real joy to be in part of your uh, orbit. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.